if you like betting on golf. But everyone that you back misses the cut, get some experts involved. With all the stats and the tips and so much more, cause it's the golf betting system, the golf betting system, it's the golf betting system. Greetings and welcome to the Golf Betting System Podcast 155. This is our 2021 Honda Classic plus magical Kenya Open Tips and Picks episode. Paul Williams and Barry O'Hanrahan join me, Steve Bamford, to discuss this week's PGA and European Tour action. Good morning, gentlemen. Morning, guys. Morning. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. Please be gamble aware. You can visit begambleaware.org for more information and, of course... Please bet responsibly. Visit our world-famous golf betting system website with our in-depth betting previews, masses of tournament statistics, and our predictor models all available completely free of charge with no paywall. Please subscribe to this podcast and drive the popularity of the show. We are available on social media. On Twitter, Paul is at Golf Betting. Barry is at A Good Talk Golf, and I am at Bamford Golf. You can join our Golf Betting System Facebook group. The link is available in the description box. Plus, look out for the Steve Bamford Golf YouTube channel where I present the Golf Betting Show every week. I actually managed to get the Honda Classic Show out yesterday. And that's gone down really well with subscribers actually thanking me for getting the show out on a Monday. So I'm going to continue to try and do that where and when I can. It all depends on how quickly I can actually get my tips written in effect. Now, you guys as listeners power this podcast. So we need your five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. As ever, for those of you who leave a review, I will read them out at the start of a future show. Leave your name and where you are from in the review. Secondly, if you are in the growing band of YouTube listeners, please subscribe and like the show. Right, I've got three here to go through, chaps. First one, so much detail, five stars. Only been listening to the latest few, but already hooked in-depth stats and detail about the players and courses in upcoming tournaments. It gives you a great understanding of which way your bets could go which in turn makes watching the tournaments even more exciting and interesting. Only addition for me, if you had time, would be a quick 5-10 to minute recap post-tournament to review how bets went. That could be dangerous. Bridges (laughs) the gap to the all-exciting next release on the Tuesday. Keep up the good work and keep the good tips coming. That is from J13 Ashton. He is in Great Britain. What what what's the what's the level up after parental um, advice? Was it parental Explicit. advice? Explicit. Explicit. Yeah, <laughs> so, I think sorry. I think we already are. To be honest. Yeah, Explicit. yeah, yeah. I'm just thinking if we recorded one post the event, there'd need to be another category. To, yeah, uh, to, it'd be, to, to be too up. raw. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. It would it would be it would be a challenge. Uh, time what time wise it'd be a challenge, but uh, yeah, language wise it'd be a hell of a yeah. challenge. We live in the wrong part of the world, don't we? Yeah. Because yeah. Yeah. effectively, the goal finishes at what midnight some nights. I mean, mm-hmm. if it's on the west coast, two a.m. You're yeah. not you're not pulling a pod together for that. And of course, you're. We are instantly onto the next tournament, which has to come out on a Monday. So, mm. yeah, it's time. But um, thank you, J13 for or J13 Ashton for that review. Very very good. Keep listening, of course. 
Now, another one here, useful tips, five stars, useful tips and good analysis. Great for picking out top 20, 30 multiples. Steve, though, you need to sort out your Neiman pronunciation. It is wacky Neiman. Nice. <laughs> I must admit, my pronunciation of players and wacky Neiman in particular is awful. So, what, what, what's, your, what's your normal pronunciation? I go, uh, what the, jo- Joakim. Joakim. Jo- jo- joking. <laughs> You're joking, Neiman. You must be joking. Um, do you know what I've actually pre- I've actually been practicing wacky Neiman over the weekend. Very good. So there you go. You um, got it that, nailed, mate. <laughs> that is from McGrogstagram, and he is in Great Britain. So uh, McGrogstagram, thank you for the tip on Wackeen. Um, I've actually tipped in this week, so um, hopefully Wackeen goes well for me. Now I've got one last one here, and this one is an absolute classic. I'm, I'm loving this. Um, it is entitled, I'm a Barry O'Hanra fan. And it's five stars. Wow, what a podcast. There really is nothing more comforting than listening to these three heroes give their in-depth analysis and tips for the golf week ahead. If you're interested in golf betting, then their fantastic content will resonate with you and you might even learn a thing or two on the way. Never change, chaps. It really is superb. And that is from T65 and Ties, and he is in the UK. And he's definitely, Barry, a O'Hanra fan. That's uh, it's pretty awesome. Uh, good start to the Tuesday morning to hear that. Thank you very much. Brilliant stuff. No, enjoyed those. Very good. Thank you. Um, keep them coming, that's all I can say. And we did get a serious influx from Ireland last week. I will get to them, just keep them coming. It does really help to get the podcast um, to, a, to a situation where we effectively get more downloads and more people listening, and it's driven by these reviews. So please keep them coming. Right, let's talk about last week. Um, Barry, you tipped up Lee Westwood, who came very, very close. And Paul, you were on the nemesis that is Paul Casey, who generated a rather nice each-way return for you. And of course, over in Qatar, you also had an each-way return with Chris Paisley. So all in all, apart from myself, naturally, um, it wasn't too bad a week for the podcast in terms of the tips. Mm. Yeah, no. Wesley played really well, didn't he? The two weeks on the trot that he's, uh, he's been rubbing shoulders with the, uh, with the big boys and, and showing that he can still do it. Um, very impressive. That hurt, that hurt a bit. I mean, it it took Tom, Thomas playing like incredible golf mm-hmm. over the weekend. Th- Thomas is amazing to watch when he's like that. Just absolute full flow. You know he's not going to miss the shot. Um, the only shock about Sunday was that little short put he missed. But other than that, I mean, wow. You got to tip the hat to him. Yeah. Took yeah. the breaks when he got them. Like that tee shot in 18. Could have easily just sprung left. But it didn't. So, like, yeah. you, you, those those are the things you need to go right for you to win. Um, unfortunately for Westy, just yeah, just didn't quite have it. Uh, as he said himself, the he said just wasn't quite feeling it that day. And I mean, he did incredibly well to get his his ball round in that number on Sunday with the way he was hitting the ball. Uh, yeah, so so close, but yet so far, but still, like, what was it, eighty five to one place return is a, an acceptable. Uh, loss uh, mitigator I guess or feeling of loss you know um, it was a great tournament 
Yeah, no, Sun- no, I really Sun- enjoyed it. Sunday was some entertainment. I mean, with the mess that was going on between Bryson and Westy on the front nine and Bryson topping it and then Westy hitting the big balloon ball to the right. I mean, it was just drama. Mm. That final putt, Westwood's final putt on the final green, though he couldn't win that, win the tournament yeah. at that point. Half a million dollars he, he won. Um, yeah, I, did, was did it, I read yeah, that he's earned at least two, that, wasn't it? Did I read that he's earned 2.8 or 2.7 million dollars in his last two outings? Oh, yeah. Big, big bucks. But yeah, that final one putt, half a million dollars difference between making that 14, 15 fur. You just not. you just knew he was going to make it though after yeah. the way the whole day went. You know, yeah. just the irony of golf. So, uh, look, a good week for Westy. Um, great week for the Players' Championship. I, I felt a little bit sad that they seemed to overwater the course a little bit on Friday. Yeah. Um, it just got that bit soft as a reaction mm. to Thursday. Mm. But there could have been some possible weather coming in or like a extra wind coming in that they were protecting against. So <clears throat> it's, it's always on a knife edge. And you could see how sawgrass gets firmer and browner and drier throughout the day. So you just can't start at that level, unfortunately, or the course would be no, looking, looking at the road. I mean, we said on the pod last week. Looking, uh, I, I, I also kept mentioning JT throughout, JT throughout, and saying that I clearly hadn't backed him. Um, but I said on the pod last week that um, I thought it'd be quite lush that golf course. I, I was genuinely shocked when you, when there was that level of firmness and fieriness on the Thursday. And yeah, it, that could. I think if they'd have kept that, it, it would have become pretty unplayable, wouldn't it? If they'd have really let that golf golf course, like you said, it was on a knife edge even on the Thursday. Thursday was close, but it was phenomenal entertainment. Phenomenal entertainment. Um, but like, it's I'd say it is the craziest tight walk rope to make when you're trying to balance a golf course to, especially one that changes so so much throughout the day. Um, you have to be so careful because you could have a few hours of play where the golf course is completely unplayable. Balls won't stop anywhere. Uh, so, yeah, look, overall, nailed it. I thought it was a great players and it'll be a memorable Sunday above more of the recent ones. So, uh, yeah, that's a win for us as fans. With West, with Westwood in mind, um, top seven now or top nine in the Ryder Cup Team Europe Hatton, Fleetwood, Rahm, McElroy and what Westwood has done he's just propelled himself we've got Westwood now Casey's now in the automatic spots Victor Matthew Fitzpatrick and Victor Perez who got his first ever top 10 on US soil in the players um, on the US side it's DJ Bryson now up to two JT up to three Brooks at four, Colin Morikawa at five, and Xander at six. That's not bad. That's not wow. a bad top six there, That's is it? Not an incredible not, team, isn't it? Not not too bad. Patrick Reed hasn't even qualified so far. He's he's, he's relying on the captain's pick. Captain he's America. Seven. He'll get you. Crazy. You can see Reed's definitely in. I think Spieth will be in there as well, especially mm. with with Mickelson and No Woods. Very mm. unlikely they'd pick Phil. So yeah, Reed and Spieth, you can see that coming a mile off. Um, in terms of the podcast, it was our biggest podcast of the year. So thanks to each and every one of you that listened. Um, so yeah, we're flying on the podcast. We're actually up twenty five percent year on year in on the full amount of uh, downloads that we had for twenty twenty one players against twenty twenty players. So um, as I keep saying, it's you guys that drive this podcast. So thank you for that. Now I kept mentioning with the players last week. Um, I said. 
McElroy had been sixth for approach the week before, or the outing before. Webb Simpson had been fifth for approach the week before he won. I just thought I'd read these out because mental notes and physical notes need to be made for the 2022 players. Um, you actually listened to that because you you picked Paul Casey, Paul, who was seventh for strokes gained approach the outing before. Um, you picked Lee Westwood, Barry, who was second for strokes gained approach the outing before at Bay Hill. And Justin Thomas was also second for strokes gained approach at the WGC concession. So, um, yeah. We, I love overcomplicating my tips. Um, it seems quite a simple um, thesis, really. You just need to pick a very good player who is absolutely striping it with their irons before they get to uh, TPC Sawgrass, and you're not going to be a million miles away if you pick those players. Yeah, the clues were there, weren't they? It's, um, but yeah, you know, ultimately, you still had to execute the shots um, when push came to shove, and he, he really wanted it. Justin the need that was you know it's something to kind of he's had a, he's had a rough couple of months hasn't he and um, you know you could see how much it meant to him and how much he really did want to win that tournament so that's off to him. The one thing I'll say about JT is that he was he was striking the ball so pure that it didn't matter that he wasn't hitting as many fairies as he'd ideally like to have. He was mm-hmm. able to hit great shots from the slightly non-ropey relies from non-fairway that he had. Mm. He was just hitting it so, so well. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, got it all together on the weekend, you know. Um, that course just, just yeah. eats people up, though, doesn't it, Barry? Absolutely. It's, I mean, it ate Tony Finau up in the first four holes on the Thursday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a brilliant golf course. I mean, it's we, we all know it. We get to see it every year. So you kind of know what's coming and you know what potential it has for drama. And... It was there all the way through Sunday, right through to the end. From the very beginning of the day, there was drama, admittedly created a bit by Westy and Bryson starting like a couple of hackers. But uh, yeah, overall, like it's great. Like bring on the players next year. Um, I'm kind of glad the whole clamor around major status kind of was a bit quieter this week, and it jumped up a bit when it got exciting. But I think it does well sitting on its own in its own category. Like it's the strongest field in golf. The biggest prize money, like there's enough things going for it to kind of make it, uh, give it its own pedestal to stand on. Uh, it's great for that. I think if it gets mixed in with majors, it might get, I don't know, PGA, you know, towards the bottom of them. Who knows? But uh, yeah. I think it's in the perfect spot in the immediate build up to the Masters because this mm-hmm. is when players are trying to peak. Yeah. And I, where it used to be in May, after the Masters and before the US Open, it just kind of got hidden. Yeah, I think yeah. I think that's this spot in March is the perfect spot for it, because we are seeing players playing or trying to play their peak golf four weeks before the Masters. Now, we will be doing a Masters research podcast. That is always our biggest podcast of the year. Um, we we need to put in the diary exactly when we're going to actually pull that podcast together um, but we're definitely doing a dedicated research masters pod looking at the prices right now dj's favorite at eight to one dishambo is at 11 ram at 12 jt now at 12s mcelroy at 14s this is the bit that barry laughs spieth at 16s and then we've got brooks kepka at 18s with Xander at 20s and everyone bar those are at 25 or above 
What do you think we've learnt for the Masters in the last couple of weeks? We need people that are absolutely striping it with their greens in regulation, really, if we're being honest. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can you can see the rationale for Spieth dropping so short yeah. over the last. Few he, weeks. he has a heart. He has a heartbeat. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, and he's clear. You know, he's he's hitting far more fairways. He seems far more controlled about his game than he has done for a long, long time. Um, the long putting, the mid-range putting, you know, the, the kind of putts that you associate with Jordan Spieth making um, are generally starting to drop. And uh, that's exciting for him. It's exciting for golf, I think. Um, he's a bit short now. Um, looking at the uh, looking at the betting, I'd, I'd, I'd like to have uh, taken it perhaps, sure. a, perhaps a little bit longer. But uh, you can't have the benefit of that kind of foresight because uh, it wasn't so long ago. He was, uh, was way off the charts. So, um, so yeah, I can, see, I can see why he's been backed in. All the all the all the names and all of the prices you read there all seem a little bit on the short side to me, and we often get this, don't we, with the anti post? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The so, anti posts this year have been terrible for mm-hmm. the most part, bar the odd one or two nuggets, and they've been not that I've been looking because you know you, you look at a few early on and you realise the bookies are just not engaging on those uh, long term markets. I mean, you got a great one with Tony for the U.S. Open, Steve. Um, yeah. I took him for the Masters at 25, thinking he was never going to be uh, longer than that. I wasn't going to mention. I wasn't going to mention it. He's at 33s now. We bet three six five, but I I wasn't. I wasn't going to say that. I had I had a good run of made cuts going on there. The anti post bets where the value kind of increases, but you know sometimes you're going to miss one. Um, that kind of price though is getting very tempting for Fee now, isn't he? You know, T four Tony at the end of the day majors. You know, it's a decent each way punt when you get into mid, you know, mid thirties for fee now. Around yeah. Augusta, I mean, I tipped him up last year. I think it was thirty fives we got in November. Didn't play great, but I'm just, I'm just looking at greens in regulation numbers. Last three outings here, so we took going back to the WGC. I'm seeing Colin Morikara in uh, second spot at the, at a concession. Victor Hovland was second. Brooks Kepka was in sixth on his last outing for Greens in Reg. I then go to the Arnold Palmer. Shane Lowry topped it. Lee Westwood was second for GIR. Bryson was third. And then I go to last week at the players. John Rahm topped Greens in regulation with, listen to this, Mark Leishman. Mm. So that, that could be a serious signal. Leishman topped GIR. And we also had Jordan Spieth in a tie for sixth for greens in regulation with Lee Westwood. And that's the thing. Spieth's long game is getting so much better. Yeah. So it, it's all it, starting it to better. boil up. Yeah. It, yeah, just just eyeballing it. You know, Forget the stats for a second. Just eyeballing his game. It looks, from tee to green, mm. it's far, far stronger than it has done for an awful long time. He's hitting just so many more greens now, Spieth, and fairways. So, yeah, interesting. We are bubbling up towards the Masters. Now, let's start this week's tips with the magical Kenya Open, Paul. So over to you for this one. Yes, the magical Kenya Open. Start of a two-week stint in Kenya, actually. Um, Both of them being played on the same course. um, as We've seen that kind of scenario a few times haven't we since lockdown so we're here this week we're here next week importantly um, next week's Kenya Savannah Classic starts on Tuesday so they're playing literally playing Thursday to Sunday this week Monday off then they're playing Tuesday through Friday so 
it's going to be an absolute mad rush next week for both bookies and anyone previewing the event to actually digest what's happened this week in Kenya, um, get some thoughts and ideas, write them, talk about them, um, and then get it come out in the uh, out in the ether before the event actually starts on Tuesday. So unfortunately, next week's pod will miss the Kenya Savannah Classic. So if you are intending to have a punt on that, you'll need to pop along to the website on Monday. I'd expect Monday mid-afternoon, tea time over in the UK, something like that. And then you'll have a few hours before the Kenya Savannah Classic starts next Tuesday. Um, we've also got the World Match Play next week as well. That starts Wednesday, so it's going to be an absolute... You've got a busy week, Mister 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 Williams. A yeah. very busy week. Yeah, it's going, to, it's going to be it's going to be a challenging one next week, isn't it? Mm. Um, but yeah, onto this week. So this week's normal. Um, this week starts Thursday. So uh, let's let's not overcomplicate things right now. Um, we've got a full field of 156 this week. Um, some of them European tours, some locals, and the numbers of them being made up. Some some of those guys with partial status, those who those who missed out of Q school, that kind of thing. Um, that leaves us with a field headed by Kurt Kitayama, twenty to one. Um, not much twenty to one left actually. Generally eighteens or shorter. Kali Samua Samuya at twenty five to one. Guido Migliozzi at twenty fives. Matthias Schwab twenty fives as well. George Kutsia twenty eights. Uh, then you've got the likes of Aaron Rye, Chris Paisley, uh, Jamie Donaldson, 30 to 1, Justin Harding, uh, Nicholas Lemke, Roman Langask at 33s, Yost Lawson, 35s, and 40 to 1 bar. So that kind of gives you a rough idea of the quality of the field this week. And I suspect next week will be very, very similar as we, as I said, playing on exactly the same piece of land uh, next week, too. Um, this week, playing at the Karen Club, Country Club. Um, that's hosted a few events over the years. Kenya Open, back on the Challenge Tour, if you want to do some research on it, 2004 to 2008. Also 2013 to 2016, that was the Kenya Open on the Challenge Tour. Karen Masters on the Sunshine Tour in 2018 and 2019. And of course, this event, which made its debut on the European Tour, the Magical Kenya Open in 2019, which was won by Guido Migliozzi. Paul, I've, got go, question. I've got a go question for you. Is it really that magical? I'll tell you Sunday. It could be seriously <laughs> magical, Steve. It could be seriously <laughs> magical, couldn't it, at that stage? We'll leave it Let's at hope that. it's magical. Um, but yes, if you pop along to the website, if you want to have a look at some of this um, course history over the years, then we've aggregated all of that data from the Challenge Tour and the Sunshine Tour. And of course, the 2019 European Tour event, so you can uh, see players who have played well on this track in the past. Now, the track itself is a short classical affair, 6,921 yards, par 71. Uh, Kikuyu fairways, Kikuyu rough, bent grass greens, quite quick for bent grass greens, actually. They got it up to 12 and a half or so um, a couple of years ago, and we're expecting something similar again this week, which which is quite quick for a European Tour event. Uh, the holes are tree-lined, but no, not claustrophobically, easy for me to say, claustrophobically so. Um, you're not talking Valderrama here, and you're talking more something similar to kind of an Italian Open where, um, you know, there are trees around, but it is, um, you know, it's, it's, it's not madly tight. Um, saying that, the, the, the fairways are quite... Uh, thin. What you tend to find with this is you've got skinny fairways, um, 
fair amount of rough and then you've got the trees so if you miss the fairways then you're more likely to be in rough than you are to be blocked out by trees and then if you're seriously wayward as you often get an Italian open um, that's when you'll be in some serious trouble uh, if you look at the events that have been played here winning scores range between 10 under and all the way up to 26 under now for the challenge tour events and the sunshine tour events they play this is a past 72 for the European Tour, they play it as a 71. They literally just change one of the fives to a four. So when Guido won a couple of years back, his 16 under total um, should be a fairly good guide for what we should expect again this week. So somewhere in that kind of region, I would have thought um, would be the winning total, particularly as we've got very similar conditions this week as to what we had a couple of years ago. Um, the weather set fair, sunny, 80 Fahrenheit there or thereabouts in the afternoons. Uh, the wind picks up to maybe 10 or 15 miles an hour in the afternoons too, um, but um, nothing too excessive for the players and certainly not the kind of conditions that we saw last week in Qatar, which were quite tough. Uh, we do have some stats, um, some skill stats from the two current masters that were on the uh, Sunshine Tour and also the 2019 event here. And again, I've listed those in my preview. Um, interesting to see that everyone, I mean, literally, if you go through the field, everyone struggled to hit fairways around here. They are quite tight. Um, and uh, to give you an idea, Guido hit 42.9% of fairways on his way to victory. So less than half of the fairways were hit, but he still managed to get a relatively high greens in regulation stat. So it's one of those events where you can, one of those courses where you can um, recover from the rough. And those players that are more comfortable in that kind of scenario, they, those are, are perhaps um, used to missing more fairways, but finding a high number of greens, even from uh, from off of the uh, straight and narrow, should be um, should be quite comfortable with this, I think. Um, you need to scramble and putt reasonably well. They are smallish greens, smallish bent grass greens. So um, you, you're going to find you're going to miss a few. And when you do, you're going to need to be um, decent in terms of um, getting up and down and, of course, making those putts on the bent grass greens as and when you can and um, when they put when it plays as a par 72 the par fives are really critical here you can see that from the numbers from all of the lower tier events that are being played here and um, of course it's a par 71 but even so um guido's uh, eight under total for the par fives when he won here a couple of years back was amongst the highest so par five scoring again is going to be something that you need to be looking at at, I think there's an interesting stretch on the course actually if you go between the sixth hole and the 12th hole you've got a par five then four straight sub 400 yard par fours and then another couple of par fives back to back so you've got a very scorable section of the uh, the course where players who started on the first hole can really get a uh, get a bit of momentum going if they can uh, start rattling off birdies and eagles during that stretch so um, it's an I really enjoyed it last time. I must say it's an interesting course and it's an interesting, uh, interesting setup. Um, going through Guido Migliozzi's um, win before, I mean, he won at two hundred to one, so um, that does give you um, not not a great deal of clues, I guess, because his incoming form was miscut, miscut, sixty three miscut, and it was his course debut. So if you managed to pick Guido out. Um, a couple of years back then you did extremely well I mean he had won a couple of times on the Alps Tour before that so there was some winning form um, in the not too distant past but um, nothing very immediate to give you an idea that he was about to um, about to win um, before that one of the uh, Sunshine Tour events 2018 won by Michael Palmer 
Um, he came in on this um, off the straight of eight consecutive missed cuts, then one. So if you're looking at raw um, call, uh, raw current form for this, um, then looking at some of the previous winners may well put you off of that a little bit with that. Um, and most of the people who've won here equally don't have a great deal of course history either. So um, when, you, when you're fishing through trying to find some clues, it's a bit of a tough one, I guess. So you might, you might find you're going to have to go more largely on uh, spec this week. So for me, attacking pins from off the fairway, um, patting well on bent grass greens, par five scoring, as I mentioned. And a solid week on and around the greens is probably more important than um, than having a sparkling incoming form and uh, any semblance of course form as well, which is pretty few and far between this week. Um, anyway, I've backed four. Um, I've, I've gone a little bit further down for, for the starting point this week. The first guy I've backed is Garrick Higo at 45 to 1. Um, the young 21-year-old. Um, and if you look down through the um, uh, through the world rankings and rank all of the players in this field, he's ranked fifth in terms of world ranking. But you have to go down to about 20th spot, 18th, 20th in the betting to find him. And I think he deserves um, a little bit more respect. I think he deserves a lot more respect than that, personally. Um, four, one, four wins so far in 41 professional starts. So uh, winning one in 10 events, admittedly at lower levels generally. But he did win the Open to Portugal, that co-sanctioned challenge tour, European tour affair that we saw in September. Um, you know, and we've seen a few of these guys who've won post-lockdown get a second win now, haven't we? We've seen um, Antoine Rosner last week, uh, courtesy of that mad 60-foot putt on the final hole. That was so beautiful. Oh, it's just incredible. You got you got a feel for the guys that are back, Guido, because uh, you're looking at a yeah. sixty foot putt and you're thinking, well, there's there's far more chance of him three putting this than uh, than making it. For sure, for sure. Yeah, what a moment. Mm. Yeah, well, yeah. I guess it, you know, if if you'd have been on him, that would have been one of those um, you know absolute mad rushes to have uh, to, to have seen your player do that. But yeah, we've seen Rosner do that and um, get a couple of wins. We've seen John Catlin. Uh, Christian Bezwaden, who won a couple, didn't he, at the back end of last year. Uh, Sam Horsfield won twice as well. So seeing another player get a second European Tour win in quick succession wouldn't surprise me in the sec- uh, in the slightest. Um, he was fifth here on the Sunshine Tour back in 2019. Um, he'd won his previous two starts consecutively, so I think you can let him off for not making it three wins on the trot, but, but fifth um, on the track is a positive bit of form regardless. And some of his form at the back end of last year in decent company was good. A 14th at the Earth course on his debut was impressive. Uh, 19th last week in Qatar as well. It's only a Saturday round of 77 in the wind that really blew him off, uh, off, off target, otherwise he would have been far higher um, finishing last week. Um, happy to play from the rough if you look at I, I ranked the entire field as the differential between their um, current um, rolling um, accuracy stats versus their greens and regulation to kind of get a feel as to the players that were more comfortable hitting greens from off the um, off the, off the fairway and uh, Higo was one of the players at the very top of that stat that I produced um, and he was top 20 for par 5 scoring last year on the European Tour. I mean, adding it all together, he ticked an awful lot of boxes for a 45-1 to one shot. So um, I was quite happy to take Garrick as my headline this week. Um, I've also backed um, Joachim B. Hansen. Um, and I, I guess he's a player that I've been warming to over time. He'd go back historically and he'd have been one of those guys that I'd have looked at and said, you know, I'm not backing him, no chance of actually converting on a Sunday. 
um, kind of flatters to deceive and um, perhaps hasn't got the bottle to uh, to convert these opportunities. But um, he's hit 30 now. I think he's starting to show some more resolve, some more maturity. Um, and certainly now that he's got a win on the European Tour, I think he can go, um, go on further and further from there. Um, it all kind of kicked off when he finished 7th at Wentworth last year. And not long after his 30th birthday, actually. And uh, his previous performances at Wentworth were miscut, miscut, miscut. And then he finished 7th in Decent Company, which was good. Um, clearly spurred him on because he won the Joburg Open a couple of starts later. And you look at both of those tracks, both tree-lined, both bent grass greens, um, correlate quite nicely with this week, I think. And in both times, both of those events, his approach play was strong. Um, and we saw more evidence of his decent approach play last week in Qatar. He finished ninth. He was fourth for strokes gained approach, uh, first for greens and regulation last week in Qatar as well. So, so that was impressive. And you know, in tough conditions, the JB Hansen of old um, would have folded, in my view. Um, mm. And instead, he kind of hung around, produced a, you know a field leading greens and regulation performance, finished ninth. So, so yeah, I was quite impressed with that. I must say, and you know, not really his bag. He's far more comfortable usually when there's a score to be made out there. Um, does have a bit of course for me, finished 19th here on the Challenge Tour back in 2015. And uh, and in reality, the the putter was dead cold last week. And that, again, that's not his game. He, he can be an absolute devastating putter when he's playing well. So if he finds a bit of form with a flat stick this week on uh, bent grass greens that should suit, then again, 50 to 1, I like the look of that. Um, a couple of longer shots. Uh, Gaganjeet Bulla, the uh, the Indian, opened mad price, 110 to 1 um, in a couple of places. 130 on the exchange he was. Um, and this is for a player who, when you look down the stats, is fairly obvious, really. Um, you know, if you're looking from a current and course form perspective. Second last week in Qatar. Fifth here um, when they played the Magical Kenya Open in 2019. You put those two stats together and you look at a player who's won, what, 10 PGI, PGTI um, events over in India, nine Asian Tour wins over his uh, over over the years. He's got a European Tour win at Fiji as well. Um, he won the PGI, PGTI Tour Championship in December, four events ago. So this is a guy who's clearly got the ability to get over the line. Um, mm. Got some decent current form, got some decent course form, and he was a three-figure shot to, to open. Um 80 to 1 now is about the best you'll get, and he's been backed in heavily. So if you do fancy him, then I'll jump on quickly. But um, yeah, I, it, it, it just seemed like an absolute no brainer for me that. And uh, the uh, you know the 130 on the exchange early doors was was a mad price. I've got to say. You've um, you've stolen my thunder because you'll say, who do you guys fancy? That was the one that was absolutely just jumping off the laptop screen at me. So that was going to be my bet, Garganjeet yeah. Bula. I mean, this is it. Ten PGTI victories and and eight Asian Tour victories, is it? Yeah, yeah. Nine, yeah, yeah, nine. Yeah, yeah. Well, nine. Yeah, one of them was uh, co PG International. Yeah. Uh, yes, right. No, it's, yeah, not, yeah. it's not as if this guy can't win, and he no. and he won he won India's number one event in December. So <laughs> course form, just all. I can't believe that price. No, no. I, I looked at it, and um, you know, I was expecting maybe 40, 50 to one, something like that. So when he was chalked up one hundred and ten to one first off, I thought, mad. Um, and so, it, it, I think generally, by the time people are listening to this, 66 is probably going to be the number. But um, this guy's got a live chance. Um, I mean, if you look mm. at his stats, he lost some strokes off the tee last week, which I don't think is such a bad thing here. No. Um, but solid everywhere else. You know, his approach was good. His um, putting was good. His around the greens was good. Yeah, fifteenth um, for approach. Second, he was a, he was a mid, he was like seven around the greens, and he was tee to green, top ten, and ninth yep. for putting. 
<laughs> it's like, what, uh, what, what don't you like about that? No. He's third for strokes gain approach here back in 2019 when he finished fifth. It's a funny mm. one, Buller, because... He, you know, if you You've mentioned if, him in the past. He's an, he, yeah. he could be a real breakout kind of player, couldn't he? Yeah, he, he was. You know, if if you'd have asked me two years ago to describe his game, then I'd have said um, greens and regulation merchant, very accurate, can't putt. And if you look at his stats now, it's almost flipped on its head. If you look at the raw, hist- you know, the, the the old fashioned style stats, then you know he looks like he's struggling to hit fairways. He looks like he struggles to hit greens. He looks like his short game and his putting is incredible. And you know, watching him last week, some of the, some of the up and downs and some of the uh, some of the putting was was outstanding. Um, but then you look at it from a strokes game perspective, and you know, as we've just gone through the stats there, you know, he's clearly picking up strokes on approach. He's clearly picking up strokes mm. from tee to green. Um, and the only bit that's letting him down a little bit is from off the tee. But if the penalty here for um, you know a bit of a wayward drive isn't yeah. that much, then that's right. Yeah, it, it gives, actually gives him fits. A chance. It fits perfectly, doesn't it? Yeah. I think so okay. yeah, I, I, I think he's got a great chance this week, Bullock. Mm. Um, and the final one, bit of a pun, um, Andre Lisa, um, the Czech, hundred and twenty-five to one. Um, I think he's one of these emerging stars. Four wins in his last twenty-seven starts. And again, all at lower grade, of course. Um, but that didn't stop Guido when he won here in 2019. As I said, he'd won a couple of uh, Alps Tour events. Um, this, um, this Andre Lisa, the, it, it, he won a couple of times on the uh, Pro Golf Tour. That gave him a start on the Challenge Tour. Um, he became the first Czech golfer to win on the Challenge Tour when he won the uh, Challenge de Spagna back in November. He won the Challenge Tour Grand Final on his next start. And he's now the first Czech to get a full card in history. Um, bit of uh, European Tour uh, experience from back in the last year. 44th at the Austrian Open, 13th at the Euram Bank Open as well. Um, and I think he's worth a chance. You know, you, you don't know sometimes how these guys are going to step up. But we've seen with and, you know, a number of players, you know, Guido's a great example. Matt Wallace is another great example. These guys who get into a winning habit on a lower level. Um, and then step up and actually how much different how much better is this than a top level challenge tour event this week it's it's not a million miles off i tell you it's in my view you'll feel quite comfortable here for a, for 125 to one shot so i mean if it was a horse of course you'd probably say as a progressive sort who could uh could handle the step up on class this week and uh perhaps he will handle that step up in class and uh, give us a, a contending performance so yeah, they're my four. Um, Andre, um, Andre Lisa, 125s, Gaganji Buller, whatever price you can get on him now. Jochen B. Hansen, 50 to 1, and Garrick Higo, 45 to 1. So you fancy a bit of Buller as well. Did anyone you fancy, Baron? <coughs> I haven't done enough research into this, but uh, that has never stopped me having a bet before. So <laughs> while you've been talking, I've been coming up with a, an approach to this. And uh, I decided without any reason or rhyme to just focus on putting for this week. Mm-hmm. I figured they'll just like let them have a go, uh, shoot some scores. So I maxed out your Bentgrass positive birdie performance, putting and puts per round on the predictor. And it spat out Lagergren at uh, 66 to 1. I actually just got him at 80 to 1 on Paddy Power, which is nice. Uh, Dale Whitnell, uh, Chris Paisley and Alejandro Canizares are the top four there. Uh, Jamie Donaldson is fifth. So I just backed the three at the highest odds and went with that. So mm-hmm. Lagergren, Whitnell and Canizares. 
Mm. Yeah, interesting with Canizares because you know he's attached to Valderrama. Uh, I knew, I knew, I knew. <laughs> he, he, this is Paul's favourite. Why did you mention him? We can have another ten minutes. He loves Canizares. Yeah. He, he, he never performs when I put him up on a, uh, a, a train line track. But, Don't uh, touch him, Paul. Stay away from his mind this week. <laughs> <laughs> but no, he, do you know? Do you know he, he could he could like it he, he could like it so um, so yeah no I I like it, your approach Barry. It's just right, yeah I mean it's just like I'm probably going to play some pretty loose bets this week on the horses so I figure like may as well just adopt that attitude and throw a few loose ones on the golf and see what happens. <laughs> it doesn't come through in your accent, Paul. But you are you related to Alejandro Canizares? You love the bloke. No, Absolutely no, and you know, I, I, I can't remember ever, ever having actually won a bean on him. But no. um, you did yeah. go for a, a long stretch of putting him up virtually every second week, and this is the week <laughs> oh, he's going to make. He's going to break through, and this yeah. would be phenomenal. I'm doubling my stake on him <laughs> just to mm. really, just so I can de- buy Paul like a, a proper bottle of champagne, not a snipe, which I'll get him if he does win. So, yeah, uh, yeah. I've got to say, I've Come got here, Paul, to actually. say. If you look at the prices, I, I I think Higo's a good bet as well. I do say that because he he's very very he, he hangs around leaderboards and he and he's done well at quite a a, a, a strong level on the European tour. Mm. Yeah. And he's got clearly the the Sunshine Tour background. He just you know why would he be a longer price than Callum Hill, for example? That hasn't done a great deal over the yeah. last sort of few months. No, no, no. I, I yeah. agree. You know, yeah. you talk about the, the course setup, Kikuya Fairways, Kikuya mm. uh, Rough. You know, the South Africans are going to feel more more than comfortable in that kind of setup, aren't they? So absolutely. Um, yeah, I and get that. And as I said, he's, he's the fifth highest ranked player in the field. Yet you have to go. You know, you have to scroll down quite a bit before you find him in the betting, which just feels out of kilter to me. So mm. okay. So I think I'm going to have a bit of Higo and a bit of Bula. Those are my two. For the European tour, we need to stop cannibalizing each other's bets. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if we divide and conquer, one of us is going to be happy each week for sure. Steve, can you cannibalize Barry's, please? <laughs> I'm not. I'm not backing Halahan. There are Canizares. I can assure you of that. Oh dear. Right now, bet Boyle Sports are seven places each way, fifty odds on your particular oh, yeah. tournament, yeah, which yeah, is yeah, equal best. Start. Over on the PGA Tour, the Honda Classic this week, um, they are, again, a standout 10 places each way of 50 odds. And as we know, um, they're running a they're running a road to Augusta promotion where they've been running 10 places now each way on the PGA Tour for a number of weeks. They are the leading bookmaker in 2021 for additional each way places they are offering more than paddy power who for you know for many years have led the way in in this particular additional each way places arena um so it's just to, to point out to you guys if you have not got boyle sports account um and you are a regular golf punter you're missing out if you want that opportunity you know 10 places each way 50 odds if you're in that space where you want to maximise your each-way return opportunities and not have the strongest price, Boyle Sports are a must-have at the moment when it comes to golf betting. They have specific UK and Republic of Ireland sign-up offers for those of you 18+. plus. So come to Golf Betting System 
and uh, you can look at what offers are available for you with Boyle Sports this week. Yes, the Honda Classic. We have um, it, uh, some some tournaments on the PGA Tour. You know, it's it's just a it's a it's a scheduling thing. Um, the Honda Classic has always been one of those tournaments where it has a strong European field. Um, up until this year, the Honda Classic has always been the first of the Florida swing, uh, but this year it finds itself clearly uh, after Bay Hill, after concession, after the players, and the week before the World Golf Championship match play uh, down in Austin, Texas. So the field this week is weak, it has to be said. It's not the strongest. Berger. Im is uh, Im is second favourite. Berger the favourite at ten to one. He's at um, yeah, not my cup of tea at ten to one. Daniel Berger. Im at fourteens. We then got Joaquin at twenties. Uh, Westwood at twenty twos. He's playing um, Augusta today with Shane Lowry. I think he was up there Monday and Tuesday, having some recreational rounds out up at Augusta National. And we've got Lowry at 28-1. to 1. Um, He's also uh, at that price with Russell Henley. If you fancy a bit of value, Adam Scott at 30-1. to 1. And then the likes of Brendan Steele and Cameron Tringali, Taylor Gooch and Chris Kirk at 40-1. to 1. That kind of shows you the strength of field we are dealing with. It hasn't been helped overnight with the news that Doc Redman Scott Piercy and Gary Woodland have all been withdrawn from the tournament, testing positive for COVID. And I think, didn't we have Brian Harmon, WD, um, after making an absolute pot full of money at the players last week as well? Harmon was an early WD as well, wasn't he? Um, I will update the key skill statistics with those latest WDs uh, on the preview available at Golf Betting System. So yeah, Honda Classic, um, windswept always is. Um, they're playing this at the Champions Course, uh, PJ National, Palm Beach Gardens in Florida. It's basically just down the road from the golfing commune that is Jupiter, Florida. So um, you know, it's one of the courses on this stretch of the uh, Atlantic coast that the players know very well. The Bear. The very famous Bear Bears Club is uh, pretty much next door to this, where a lot of the big big names do their practicing. Because clearly, you know, following the footsteps of what Tiger Woods has done in this for this part of uh, Florida. But yes, it's a seven thousand one hundred twenty-five yard golf course. It is a par seventy, so only eight looks this week at par fives. I categorise it as a technical golf course. Um, 7,000 square feet average Tiff Eagle Bermuda Grass Greens. They were actually um, rebuilt and renovated for the 2019 renewal. So this will be the third year of these new greens. Um, but this golf course is just a, it's a beast. I mean, the last three years on tour, it ranked second, fifth, and third for difficulty on the PGA Tour. And... <laughs> There's no let up for these guys. 15 of the holes feature significant water hazards. <laughs> so, no Tony Fee now in the field this week. 
<laughs> he doesn't seem to be a regular visitor to the Champions course at PGA National. But, you know, it, it just sows seeds, doesn't it? What we do find, though, this week is that the fairways are significantly thinner than last week at Sawgrass as well. So not only do you have the same visual intimidation of water on virtually every hole, um, you've also got the fact that the fairways are up to five to seven yards thinner than they are at TPC Sawgrass. So at 300-yard carry, greens, uh, the fairways last week at Sawgrass were 30 yards wide. This week, 25 yards wide. Thick, heavy, Bermuda grass, rough. And some pretty significant wind in play this week as well. I was seeing yesterday, um, I was seeing up to 20 to 25 miles an hour wind on um, Thursday and up to 30 miles an hour on Sunday. And that is really going to sort out a few of these um, these guys. Yeah. A par is going to be a really good score some of those days, isn't it? At that kind of level, with the difficulty of the track as it is and the water around, it's, yeah, that's, it's going to make it, a pro- and as you said, a proper technical test, I think, this week. I'll have a little look at Windfinder when when one of you two take up the cudgels later on and we'll see exactly what the wind forecast is going to be. But, I mean, winning scores here tell you everything, don't they? I was on, I've actually, do you know what? I'm not, I'm not, I shouldn't really say this, but I've actually got a half-decent record in this tournament. I've had quite a few winners here, Thomas and Fowler. Um, I like, it's a grinder's tournament. You've only got to look at the winning scores here. I mean, Sung J.M. last year won this at six under. Keith Mitchell, 9-under. JT, 8-under. Ricky Fowler won here at 12-under. And that year, the golf course was soft. There was no wind. So it was the easiest this PGA National would ever play. He won at 12-under. With wind, there hasn't been a lot of rain here. I could see this being low, a a real high-scoring event again. You know, that that 6, 7-under par. I don't see this being twelve under. I think it, I think it's going to be single digits. A bit of wind just, coming, Steve. Yeah, just looking pardon? here. There's a little bit of wind coming. Mm, I think so. Yeah, like 14, 14, 15 You know, knots. Sorry, I'm on I'm on windy.com uh, kilometers an hour, but it's it's going to be a southerly wind Thursday. Going to be a westerly wind Friday. Uh, yeah. Calmer, but northerly wind Saturday, and then an east northeast on Sunday. So. That golf, they're going to they're going to see that golf course in all different ways if it sticks to that. Mm. Who's striking the ball sweet? Well, I can tell you someone that's really hitting it sweet at the moment, and that's Shane Lowry. And I know you and I were chatting about him on Sunday as he yeah. finished in he finished in the top ten. And you said to me, "Wouldn't it be great if we could get fifty to one on Shane <laughs> you know. Lowry this week?" And I, uh, <laughs> and I thought I thought you'd been a tad hopeful, <laughs> a little optimistic. Man. Yeah, I know. Uh, I was hoping for a little bit of give back, you know. But um, I don't think it, you'd seen you hadn't seen the state of the field, had you? Um, I, I had uh, not. No, no, no. And it kind of it, it makes sense, you know. The the long game has been in very good shape recently, and it's been the putting that's been a nightmare for him. Uh, he switched to right hand uh, below left after most of his career the other way with left hand below right, and 
it seemed to work uh, quite well. There was a few iffy putts in there, uh, but that's going to happen when you're changing the entire way you, you know, the, the entire putting feel you've had for a long time. But that, uh, yeah, it was nice, nice to see Shane actually put a good week together because you can see how much it's been bugging him and irking him for a while. And, you know, it, 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 you know, there's probably a little bit of everything going on, but you, you see it with guys who win their first major. The, it can affect them. It can affect their game. Uh, so, yeah, great to see him back. Shame he's not 50 to 1. <laughs> so up to 25 miles an hour Thursday. You got, you, it then changes direction. It comes, as you said, it comes from more of the west on Friday. It, it, it's down to about 14 miles an hour, but that's enough to keep them honest. Um, again, 15 to 20 Saturday. Sunday, it keeps changing. Sometimes you're seeing 30 miles an hour, and something that at the moment it's saying nothing more than 15 miles an hour. But I still think that's eight, nine under par mark. And if the greens are really releasing, we could see anything as low as, yeah, five, six under par. I just think, we, you know, we were going through some GIR numbers earlier in the podcast, weren't we? Arnold Palmer Invitational, Shane Lowry, 75% of greens in regulation. He was first at the Arnold Palmer. And then last week at the players, he was still in the top 19 for greens in regulation. And, we, you know, open champion, guy that clearly plays well in the wind, guy that can scramble fantastically well. If he can just keep that positive putting momentum going with this in, with this strain, uh, change in his grip, you know, I think I think Lowry's a very good bet this week. He was actually first on my card, it has to be said, of my five. But yeah, I, um, so I, I've jumped j- jumped ahead to Shane. But yes, I think we need grinders this week. We definitely need grinders. And as you said, Barry, people that are flushing their irons right now isn't a bad strategy. The other thing I did note, you know, when you look at winners here recently, Im, you know, Im's a, Im when he won this was 34 for driving distance on the PJ Tour. He could get it out there, 305 driving distance average. Um, Keith Mitchell's a bomber, isn't he? Justin Thomas was in the top 10 for driving distance the year he won this. And Ricky Fowler was actually, at that point, 7th for driving distance entering this tournament in uh, uh, 2017. So a bit of oomph off the tee isn't a bad bad strategy here either. I mean, Shane, Shane isn't the longest, but he can certainly get it way out there when he wants to. Tends to be sort of longer sorts. So for me, I've always related this to a US Open. And you've only got to look at the winners here, haven't you? You know, we've got Justin Thomas. He's done well in a US Open before. Fowler had done well before winning this. Adam Scott. I mean, he's a long driver of the golf ball. Padraig Harrington in 2015. Yes, he was 400 to 1. Yes, it was completely left field. But then, you know, he's, he had a fourth and a couple of fifths in US Opens prior to winning the Honda Classic. Even Michael Thompson, 2013, he goes against the trend of bombers, but Michael Thompson had finished second at the US Open in 2012 behind, that would have been Webb Simpson, I believe. Was it Webb Simpson, 2012? Or have I got that wrong? Don't know. Yeah, it was 2012, Webb Simpson, because McElroy won it in 11. And there you go, McElroy's won here. He won the 2011 US Open. So there's definitely a US Open feel to this as well. Any other sort of details from your side in terms of PJ National or what you think of the Honda Classic? I, I think I, I, I do always associate with one where you, you come back and look at this when you are starting to do your research for 
the tougher majors. So as you say, the US Open, it's always one that's kind of a correlation the other way around as well. So so yeah, now I can see see your logic there. And uh, yeah, you know, players that are comfortable um, not making birdie every third hole, you know, th- those that are comfortable with a mindset that is quite accepting of making a par and moving on um, is, is kind of the, the way to approach it, I think. I think as Woodland finished, I mean Woodland's withdrawal, yeah. Um, I think Woodland had a top two here, didn't he? Have a check for me. I'm pretty sure Woodland's had a, a decent finish here as well, and clearly he went on to do quite well at a US Open. So um, you know, there, there's a, there's a, there are lots of US Open trends and themes to this golf course, as you would expect. Yeah, Woodland's. Uh... Yeah, sixth, second, and eighth here over the years. So yes, <laughs> kind of kind of says everything, doesn't it? Mm. Right. There was one guy in my analysis that was absolutely screaming. If there, there, is, there were a couple of guys actually that were screaming back at me, but I could only take one. I've probably taken the wrong one. And um, people will laugh at me. I actually thought that Phil Mickelson played some really nice golf last week at the Players. If there was one golf course that doesn't suit Phil Mickelson. It's TPC Sawgrass these days. But he actually had a decent finish there. He did a damn sight better than his playing. Was he playing with Tony Finau in that first round? I did say to you guys, God, yeah, that's going to be bad for Finau with Mickelson in his group. Phil, I didn't quite expect five over through the first three, but wow. But Phil was swinging, swinging that kind of uh, real smooth, like 75, yeah. 80% for a lot of things. I wonder... And hitting looked, some fairways, Barry, it, and hitting some very nice approaches. It looked really good. Did somebody get out an old pocket watch and hypnotize him? Because there was like a... a it mm. seemed like a reluctance to really let loose. I mean, maybe it's a mindset change. Maybe it was trying to play the course with a little less uh, crazy aggression. But if he, if he did that a bit more often, week on week right now... He'd yeah, be, uh, I think. Look from just visually, it looks like he'd contend a bit more because the wild shots disappear. Yeah, absolutely. Played some really nice golf. Uh, uh, I had a very. It was a toss up between this individual that I actually went with and Phil Mickelson. I sh- probably should have gone for Phil because that's the way the coin keeps falling. Man. But I actually went for Jim Furyk, Paul, Paul's old favourite. I mean, I know. Yeah, I know he hasn't got the length, um, but. His numbers on my eight-week trackers are phenomenal. Second for driving accuracy, second for greens and regulation, first for strokes gained on approach, fifth for strokes gained around the green, first for strokes gained tee to green, and first for strokes gained current form. How could I not put Jim Furyk in there? 125 to 1. Eight places each way, 50 odds with Bet Bear Sportsbook. On, on a track that's going to demand a level of, well, a high level of grinding mentality. I can, I can see the logic. It's, uh, we very... said last week on the players pod that oh, it was 2019 that the players was mad. You had Rory McIlroy winning it and Jim Furyk finished second. And I said, yeah, well, Jim Furyk had actually finished ninth at the Honda Classic two weeks beforehand. And that's the point. At this kind of golf course, short, par 70, grind city, people are going to be hitting water all over the place. Jim Furyk just plotting around, hitting a fairway, hitting a green, and making the odd putts. It's the putt, putt these days that holds Jim back. If he can make, if he can putt, strokes gain neutral, or just a little bit positive, Furyk could easily get in the top ten this week. So yeah, I plump for Furyk. There's, there, from what I saw of Phil last week, there's a lot of positive sides on Phil Mickelson as well. Um, one up from that. 
US Open history, tick. Guy that hits tons of greens, tick. Guy that's got a good Florida record, tick. I mean, I'm seeing 8th and 7th at Doral, 3rd, 2nd and 10th at Bay Hill, 7th at TPC Sawgrass, and this uh, on this particular golf course, he's had a 12th, a 4th and a 12th. He lives in Jupiter, Florida, so he must play around here fairly regularly. He's 7th for strokes gained approach and 10th for strokes gained tee to green. Not in my trackers, but across the whole PGA Tour season to this point. And we must be, what, halfway through, if not a tiny bit more? Keegan Bradley. Keegan Bradley. And he's the sort that could just pop up this week and just grind his way around it. The other positive thing that we've seen from... If you want a bulky putter, if you want a Boo Weekly-type putter that can be absolutely Sergio Garcia-like with his putting... Bradley's right up there. But the last two outings, 1.4 positive. And last week at the players, 2.3 strokes gained positive for his putting at the players. So I, I put Keegan Bradley at point each way at 50 to 1. Betford 8 place each way at 50 odds. Got that US Open background, a major winner. And he does, let's, frank, let's face it, he knows how to get over the line. He won that BMW Championship a couple of years ago, which was a FedEx Cup playoff event, which was absolutely major strength field. Let, you know, 70 of the best players in the world. And uh, was it 2019 he, he, he went in a head-to-head -head that particular week with Ches Reevy? Was that the were you on Ches that week? Weren't you at the Travellers? Was that right? The, the week, no, no, I'd, I'd been on him the week before. The, at Pebble the, Beach, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he can, you know, Bradley can mix it in these weaker fields. Bradley can easily mix it, and as we've seen recently, we've been putting him up first round leaders, and we've been saying that his game is percolating. I think this could be a week where Bradley actually puts four half decent round. I mean, if he can, if his bad round can be par or a seventy one, and he can let the rest of his golf play as positively as it has been recently, I think Bradley could be a real feature. Anyone? At, I mean, I've I've gone in reverse order just to change it up. Um, anyone's at prices for you two down in that uh, in the in the bigger price range? Yeah, I, I, I'd say I've only backed one, and um, I, he, he kind of fits um, and and kind of doesn't in some respects. But I've gone with him anyway. Um, Johnny Vegas, I've backed. Mm. Um, now. I guess in the past, again, he's a kind of player that I maybe would not have associated massively with the grind, but he's starting to impress me more in that respect. Um, he impressed me at Puerto Rico as well. He, he hung around, didn't he, at the back end of that tournament, finished second in the end. Made birdie on 18 when he had to. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Mm. Um, but if you look at his record here, seven out of eight, eight cuts made. Um, he finished fourth in 2017. He closed with a 64. Um, he was first-round leader here in 2019. He opened with a 64. Um, and there's been some good signs with his game. First for strokes going off the tee at Pebble Beach. Um, made the cut last week. Um, at, uh, at the uh, the players clear this is lower grade this week compared to that. And he just loves Jack Nicholas tracks. If you again going back to the predictor model, if you go if you pump in just the Nicholas variable into the predictor, um, then Johnny Vegas sits at the very top. So he, two, two wins at Glen Abbey will do that for you. Absolutely, yeah. He's he's got a, you know he clearly gets on with the. The style of tracks. He's one of Bermuda grass greens in the past. Um, mm. I particularly like the seven thousand three hundred and DraftKings for Vegas, but I will. Well, I have backed him um, eighty to one with eight places as well outright. So, uh, 
so yeah it's the, that's kind of my my lone dart at the moment i do like the like do like the like do like the look of um jim furick as a player who could seriously hang about as uh, you know if and when that uh, sunday becomes particularly brutal and a a war of attrition I mean, he's that kind of mentality so if he's in the mix then um, you can see that kind of uh, that kind of player that kind of mentality helping him to uh, to stay where he is as other players are falling apart around him I think with Furyk um, Genesis Invitational his last outing that was loaded yeah I mean that was a major field 144 the best players in the field all, all paying homage to Tiger Woods you know, he was hanging around top 20 the whole tournament on a tough golf course where power, you know, actually power at Riviera helps, but he was just plotting his way around. If he can actually putt reasonably well this week on Bermuda grass, which I think has always been his better surface, I think I think Furyk's a definite shout. And Vegas, yeah, I, I, I get Vegas. He, I mean, he was seventh for greens in regulation in Puerto Rico, his last out. Yeah, some that. good What about you, Barry? Me. Sorry, yeah, what about you, Barry? Uh, I've uh, I've backed Shane. Um, yeah. Good, good annoying as it is that it's so short, but it, the whole thing makes sense. What uh, price did you get on Shane out of interest? Uh, I got uh, boosted from twenty eight to thirty to one, so yeah, it's twenty eight yeah. effectively. Yeah. Um, yeah. Look, it's fine. Uh, if go for it. Um, <clears throat> beyond that, I kind of skipped down a little bit. Um, yeah. So a little punt on Harold Varner. Strike yeah. of the iron as well and approached well last week. Um, Harry Higgs was showing some good signs of life, I thought, and it's more like an affinity bet than a specific like nails down reason. Um, but uh, yeah, grabs him at 125 to one. He was uh, always so. in that sort of top 25 area at the players, and you wouldn't have thought that for Harry Higgs, would you? So he's played. He played really well not uh, last week at Sawgrass. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, there was enough around. In, enough in there for sure. Yeah. Mm. Um, then a couple of others that kind of caught my eye. K H Lee. Yep. Uh, so he had a uh, decent week. It was twenty fifth for greens and reg. Um, so. Short game, short game wizard, as we saw at Phoenix when he was yeah, second. I mean, just across the board, his stats were good last week. So mm. they, they, I think you know you're going into a course like PJ National, like the whole game's going to have to be pretty well rounded. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so that was that, and then uh, these are just all little small bets because I'm kind of unsure about where to sit this week. But uh, J- JT Poston had a dreadful front nine on his round on Thursday, and from that point he was uh, a lot under for the tournament. <laughs> he finished. He finished five under, and he was five over for that front nine. So you know play that in flat level par he's right in the mix yeah it's good I'll, so, sa- I'll save you Barry last 54 holes thank you at the players Justin Thomas was the top shot 203 strokes Paul Casey was 204 Lee Westwood was 206 JT Poston 207 strokes yeah see yeah, I knew that Thank- <laughs> thanks Steve so he was saving, only four, four off bacon. Justin Thomas across the last three rounds that's decent performance from Poston yeah, yeah. So I mean, look, he'd won super hot round of putting, but yeah, you, you know, you get super bad rounds as well. So um, yeah, so JT Poston was the one. That's enough for me. Um, the Bradley shout, I like it. Uh, I just, yeah, I don't. I've kind of had him half back to the last couple of weeks, and you have. He's, 
kind of yeah like just uh, first round leaders and it's just uh, I don't know he's percolating if he is, yeah, and I'm wondering if he's going to percolate to a win or is he just going to percolate away? Because he's done this a couple of times recently where you know he's showing form and you think, oh, he might be back and then he just disappears again. So mm. um, maybe I'm jumping ship a week too early, maybe not. We'll, we'll see. But if, if, you know, Steve, maybe, you know, this could be your week. Could be. Let's hope so. Needs to be. Um, I've gone for Brendan Steele, a real horse for a course. Absolutely um, striping it. At Arnold Palmer a few weeks ago, where he was in the top five for greens in regulation. Um, I just like when you look at Steele, um, his record here 11th, 14th, 14th, 4th. And then you look at his record at the Open de France. For some reason, he, he, he comes across to the French Open a lot on the European tour. And we, yeah. lo- we know Le Golf National, another course like this, brutal, water everywhere. Lots of water. It, yeah. Inland links, he's finished 7th, 7th and 6th on his three visits to the Golf National. Yeah. It's a wonder they didn't put him in the Ryder Cup team, really, team for Team USA, <laughs> wasn't it? Rather than these guys that were flashing it around in the water all the time. But yeah, yeah. Brendan Steele, point each way, 40-1 to 1 with Coral, 8 places. I've got Shane Lowry, 28-1 to 1 with Betfred, 8 places. And at the top, if there was one of the guys at the very top of the market that I had penciled in for this, and I was really pleased to see his name in the um, actual entry list, I think he's the sort that needs a weaker field to get his second PGA Tour victory, but undoubtedly he's a very talented individual. He showed for the first two rounds of the US Open at wing foot and then kind of fell away a little bit, but that kind of surprised me. I remember him finishing second to John Rahm and Dustin Johnson in Chicago last year in the FedEx Cup playoffs. At um, um, oh, I always forget the name of the course that they play in Chicago. I've had a complete and utter brain fade. Uh, Olympia Fields finished third there in the in the BMW Championship, and that that course until they watered it for John Rahm on Sunday was particularly. Um, firm, fast, and nasty, and he just comes. He comes to life on par seventies. He he won at Old White TPC, and he's also at a fifth there. Second at Wileye this year, eighth at Colonial, fifth at TPC River Highlands, the Travellers in twenty nineteen. He actually favours par seventies over par seventy twos, which is rare these days. Mm. Joaquin Neiman, I just had to take him twenty two to one. I've got on him. Eight places each way, 50 odds with William Hill. He's being heavily backed this week. I'm seeing him as short now as 12 to 1 with Unibet, which is a ridiculous wow. price. Um, that's way out of kilter. Someone's been smoking someone at Unibet's office. <laughs> you can still get 20 to 1 with him right now with William Hill or Bet Fred. Eight places each way of 50 odds on Wacky Neem. I struggle. I mean, I'm, I'm seeing Daniel Berger at 11-1, and I know that he's a four-time winner on the PJ Tour. Great player. But there seems to be 10-1 to on Berger and 20-1 to on Neiman. Mm, that seems quite a big gap for me. I worry about Westwood. This is his how many weeks straight now? Four weeks, is it? Yeah, yeah. And uh, Cheltenham on as well at the same time. Cheltenham on really. <laughs> World match play next week. Little trip to Augusta, like With playing Shane. yesterday, yeah, maybe today. today. Yeah. yeah, I'm not, not not entirely sure his focus is going to be 100 percent this week, but uh, no, I think this could be the week West, the, where Westwood misses the cut. But he's you know he's done so well over the last few weeks. So yes, yeah, 
Go on. Sorry, this, I was saying it could be the kind of event where he could pop up first round leader and then fade throughout the week as the the, the week mm. the last few weeks maybe catch up on him a bit. Yeah. But yeah, at that price, like we're all gonna happily let him go. The yeah. bookies are clearly petrified by his ability to finish as a bridesmaid at yeah. the moment. If you're looking on pure statistics, the kind of player that plays well here, but he's been dog awful last few outings, Cameron Davis, the Australian. Very talented individual, top 10 here last year. Hits the ball a mile. Brilliant with his long irons and approach play. Davis could pop this week. Yeah, it wasn't so bad. If you, you know, you know, you have to go back a couple of months and he was doing some, uh, you know, yeah. it was, it was some half decent form there, wasn't it? Just yeah. Seems to have dropped off a little bit recently. Absolutely. So that's, that's us then. That's the Honda Classic and the magical Kenya Open. In the history books, as far as the podcast is concerned, I hope your um, I hope your tips go well again this week, gentlemen. Yes, you too. Best of luck. I hope yours go well for the first time this year, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. <laughs> Harsh. I'm, I'm speechless. I knew I was. I mean, I uh, I knew last week I was absolutely scuppered after the first couple of hours, but. I was holding on for Abraham Anser, a top 10 finish at 70-1, to 1, and then woke up on Sunday, looked to who he'd been teed, teed with in his group, and I saw the... I just knew I was absolutely shot to pieces. Abraham Anser was grouped with Ryan Palmer in the final round of the Players' <laughs> Championship. So that was... It was done. It was done at that point. Yeah, absolutely done. So, yeah. Yeah, we're, it's all right. We'll keep going. We'll get there eventually. Yeah, I hope I hope listeners that your bets go well this week as well. We have the WGC match play next week, which is always a fun event. Paul's in the chair for that one. We also have the PGA Tour event that takes place in the Dominican Republic at the Corrales Championship. And don't forget, if you're an absolute golf betting addict, Paul will be pulling together some content for the second Kenyan event, which starts. Bizarrely, next Tuesday, which will be too Indeed. late for the. Po- we'll be able to look at the leaderboard, Paul, as we, we will. Should, as we're actually recording the podcast. Yeah, yeah, we, we might might have that some um, explicit uh, rating on there on, on next Tuesday morning. We'll some be live, to- a live reaction podcast. <laughs> yeah, we'll be able to critique Paul's uh, Paul's tips during the podcast. That's a oh, new one. I look forward to it. Right, we'll see you again very soon, listeners. Don't forget, five-star reviews, keep them coming, and we'll be back next week. I hope you will. See you soon. Bye-bye.